Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sarah Story, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today we are joined by photographer Ashley Coleman. We are sitting in her house in Ackerman, Mississippi, which is so much fun. A beautiful, beautiful view of the land and nature in um, this part of Mississippi. What what do you consider, what is this part of Mississippi? Is this North Mississippi? How do you describe it? I feel like this is North Central. (laughs) I feel like we're on the upper edge of Central and the lower edge of, of North Mississippi. So we are the last county actually in Appalachia. If you look at the counties that uh, constitute Appalachia, Choctaw County is one of the last counties in Appalachia. So we still have a little, a few hills. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So tell us a little bit about um, your life right now, what what you're up to, what you're working on, and um, we're also wanting to mention your age. Mississippi Arts Commission Fellowship artist this year, so that's very exciting. Very grateful for the Arts Commission and for that support. Um, I am mostly here in Ackerman (laughs) on the farm. Um, I juggle teaching my kids three days a week, and then the other two days um, doing my own work (laughs) and getting that... uh, either organized or (laughs) um, sitting and thinking about it and writing. Um, And so my, or sometimes I just, you know, take the kids and we go for walks in the woods and forage (laughs) for mushrooms and other things that we find. But I feel like since living here, we moved here in 2018, our life has slowed down, but in a really good way. And I feel like it's given work that I make time to kind of flesh itself out um, and let me know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Did, so, and before, so before, before I come in, before 2018, you were living in Jackson. Yes. We lived in Jackson for a few years and then we were dual residents of Jackson in a small town called Takapola outside of Oxford. And so, um, that is where my first body of work began was in Takapola. And then um, then when I was in Jackson, it's hard for that city not to capture your imagination as a photographer. And so I did a lot of work in Jackson, but eventually felt like some of it wasn't my story to tell. And so um, set it aside. And um, moving here... Um, and it's being fairly isolated and rural, I be- turned more inward. <laughs> so the work did become more introspective. Um, but I was also just, you know, wrestling through my own thoughts and feelings about motherhood and being a woman and, you know, wanting to be creative and that sort of thing. 
Yeah, tell us a little bit more about that. So you have you're out here. You have three children. Yes. And um, tell us about how how you how your work responds to your life. Well, the I think the this body the the body of work that I've worked on most recently is directly tied to moving here. Um, this is the house where my husband grew up, and so for. About a year, it took us about a year to kind of clean the house out and before we even moved in. And so um, during that year, I was not a happy camper (laughs) about having to clean the house out. So I started taking photographs inside of the things that I was cleaning that were not my own as kind of a, a way to process the frustration and let it go. And so I did a whole series in black and white of emptying the house out and that process. And it was the first time I'd ever photographed interior life. Mm. And, um, and it was the first time I'd really thought about using photography as a way to process emotions or to kind of meditate on something. And so from that, um, when we moved into the house and kind of got settled, I found myself doing the same thing <laughs> to my children when, when I was frustrated about something <laughs> that they had done. And so in a lot of ways, they're collaborators with me because they will make a mess and I will come across the mess and um, photograph it. And so we work together in that way, (laughs) but they are getting a little bit older. So the messes are, uh, less physical and more emotional. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there are three of them and they all do, they all have their different things (laughs) that, um, that they do. Um, but yeah, so that's, you know, a little bit about, life here yeah and so for um some people that may have not had a chance yet to see your work i see some in this room right now so it's like dead animals or they're, yeah. they're like bringing into the owls right. or you know just messes of spilt things or toys that mm-hmm. are just kind of everyday yeah everyday life yes for you it is everyday life but also like looking for the tension between the joy and the chaos and just the, like the, they are normal childhood chaotic things. Um, but also finding kind of a little bit of the self portrait in there for me. So actually a lot of the dead animals that appear end up feeling like a self portrait. Mm. Um, so we have the, you know, sparkly rain boots, which is just kind of like the innocence and wonder of kids. And then the possum with its bared teeth and a little mangled. And that's (laughs) often how I feel (laughs) inside where I'm just like, oh, (laughs) a little ferocious and like, you know, raggedy. Um, And then right next to me is just this bundle of energy and curiosity, which is totally fine and normal. But, um, yeah, it's how I <laughs> my internal processing <laughs> of it. Right, that's incredible. So, did the process in creating these photographs? Um, well, tell us a little bit about your process. Your camera, your do you develop the film? Do you get it? How how does all that work for yeah. you? Um, when I first started taking 
photographs, I well, so first of all, I shoot with a medium format, Hasselblad, and I really wrestled with it because I don't have the time right now to process or develop my own film. And so it felt like I was a little bit of a sellout in sending it out, outsourcing that. But I realized that it ends up working out really well for me because I am able to work and to take images through the day or the week and know that they're going, I'm going to send them to a lab Mm -hmm. and the lab will develop them and, um, I'll get them back. And the, so the process is a slow process. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I was mainly shooting digital, I just had such a constant backlog of images that I never (laughs) would look at or edit. Right. And so I just actually just stopped shooting. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I feel like for me, shooting film is more of a, it allows me to continue having a creative outlet while maintaining the other things that I need to do in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a way for me to have something for myself during the day. <laughs> um, a way to like redeem <laughs> the moment. And, um, and just the delayed aspect of it gives me time to even process what it is that I'm thinking and feeling because I'm a slow processor. Um, so yeah, so I shoot with a medium format camera and I send the film off to be developed. And, um, and then I sit with the work for a while, <laughs> either like little small prints that are five by fives or, um, looking at them online on the, like on the computer. Um, and then I work with a printer on printing them. That's great. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a little bit of the process. And it's not as tangible um, as other things, but I feel like it's just the season of life. And one day, you know, it'll shift. But right now, it's how I how I make it work. That's awesome. So, when in in taking all these photographs of your children and having that time to process, do you? How does that? Do, what does that bring up for you? Do you think about your own childhood? Do you think what, what all comes up in that in that time? Like when I'm taking them, or like in the in between when you've taken something, mm-hmm. or you're it's going you know it's coming back in a smaller format. You're thinking about what what you want to share with the world. Like what mm-hmm. I bet that's just a lot of time. Just like so many things must mm-hmm. come up for you. Yeah, I think I don't connect it as much to my own childhood. I think a more, well, I don't know. I guess what I end up processing is what I know to be true about childhood and then how I as an adult interact with that. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) And the, the rub between the two. And I feel like for some people it's easier. Um, but for me, oftentimes, just the normal childhood things feel more uh, <laughs> like an assault to my system, <laughs> visually or you know just he- audibly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that is something that I did not realize about myself until I had children. Mm-hmm. And so the work is almost—it's less about them <laughs> and more about how my emotions and feelings and how I'm interacting with it and, and striving to find the a redemptive aspect, um, and some, hu- and the humor. 
And so I think that's a lot of times what happens. Like, in the moment, like, you have the photograph of the still spilled blueberries. Mm-hmm. That was, like, the fourth or fifth time that had happened. <laughs> and I was just like, what the freak, you know? <laughs> the, do- the door is wide open to the fridge. The door to the house was wide open. And there was no one in the kitchen. And there was just a carton of blueberries on the spilled. And I was like, this is ridiculous. This has happened again. And so I was like, I'm just going to take a photograph of it. And get them to come in and pick them up. They'll just eat them off the floor. It's going to be fine. <laughs> and then when I got the picture back, it was funny. Yeah. At the time, I was, it was not funny. And so, like, I realized taking photographs allows me to reclaim some of the humor that I might not feel at the moment. Yeah. Um, so it's like a belated humor that's <laughs> for, for me. <laughs> that's great. Well, that's really cool that it allows you to just take the time to process things because... Mm-hmm. Like, we don't do that enough in the world today at all. Yeah. I do enjoy having time to process. So, and I do feel like art needs more space to process than social media (laughs) gives you or Mm -hmm. thinks that, you know, or that you think that it gives you. So I feel like um, social media is so instant and I don't think that art can be. I think that art needs time. And sometimes it needs months or years mm-hmm. for you to sit with it to figure out what it's saying. And that's okay. Yeah. I think that's so true. Well, that's great. This is Sarah Story, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. You are listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. To have access to all Arts Hour interviews, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen to the show on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. I'm Coach Charlie Melton, and I want to help steer you in the right direction. If you need coaching on fixing up your automobile, listen to our podcast, AutoCorrect, found on all podcasting platforms. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sarah Story, Executive Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission, and today we're joined by Ashley Coleman, a photographer based in Ackerman, Mississippi. (laughs) Thanks for being here, Ashley. Thanks for having me. So we were talking a little bit about process and how you process a lot of things um, through your work, and I'm so curious about... uh, and we talked about how your work has changed moving out into Ackerman into more rural and nature. So curious, like how has this environment um, been for you? Is this is this familiar to your childhood environment? Like is this is this a brand new this this concept of just being very rural and nature away from you can't see another house in, in your yeah. vicinity? <laughs> what is this? Yeah, like what is what is this? How does this compare to your other uh, mm-hmm. living situations throughout your life? Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Columbia, South Carolina, and my grandparents live um, or lived in Arlington, Virginia. So while I grew up in South Carolina, I feel like we also spent a lot of time in Virginia. Um, and so I thought I lived in a small town until I moved to Mississippi, and then I realized that I did not. I had lived in <laughs> I had lived in a in a small city, like a big, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, a medium-sized city. Right. Um, and 
so it was a lot of culture shock moving first to Takapola, which was a town of 175 people. And then um, I think that prepared me to, to live here, which is even more remote than Takapola was. But I have really grown to enjoy, like I've said before, just the ability to slow down and not um, constantly have every moment filled, although somehow they do still (laughs) end up filled. But I, uh, when we moved here, I was just like, I'm going to be very conscious about not zipping back and forth to Jackson all the time Mm -hmm. for various and sundry things. I was like, I just feel like I need to, to be here and make it work. And so it's been really, really good. Um, So it is very different visually from how I grew up because I grew up in a neighborhood Mm -hmm. and now all I see are trees. Mm -hmm. But I love, um, I don't know, I love being outside. I've always loved being outside. So we spend a lot of time walking, especially it started during COVID. Um, we, I would take the kids and we have like a two, two and a half mile, three mile loop that we made. And so we worked up their endurance. <laughs> so, That's great. Um, you know, we would just gear up and go and um, just really just enjoyed that time with them, just letting them be kids um, and experience all the different textures and smells and things that they see. Um, but also it was just good for me and, you know, like my heart <laughs> to, to be outside. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't... Um, and I think that is why I gravitate towards color photography because it's so colorful here mm-hmm. um, that when I have tried to photograph in black and white, I'm just like, something is missing. Like the, the vibrancy and the, the pulsing aspect of life is missing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do feel like it has affected my work in that way. But it's also just made me okay with moving a little slower. Yeah. That's awesome. So how did you get into photography? I was an art history and English major in college and loved art and loved other people's art (laughs) and and worked in an art gallery for about four years. And where was undergrad? At the University of South Carolina. Um, And I considered myself an art appreciator because I was like, every artist needs an appreciator and that will be my job. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I can't make art, but I will appreciate it well. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so I did that, and I had started just kind of taking photographs when I traveled. Mm-hmm. And I viewed photography as something that I did when I was not at home. Mm-hmm. And um, then when I moved to Mississippi, when I got married and moved here, it became more of like a lifeline to process going back to that (laughs) to to kind of make sense of where I was and so um so I started taking photographs um more intentionally when I moved here but still kind of was dismissive of them um until I was had a like a meeting with Will Jacks who's so wonderful and he was like I think you need to take this more seriously and think about what you're doing be more purposeful Mm. and he really like nudged me pushed me (laughs) towards um 
being more purposeful and I'm so grateful for that because that really shifted (laughs) my perspective um that's great so did you ever um go take any classes or or anything to learn how to use cameras or voice or do you just learn teach yourself I did not take I did not go take any classes um I watched a lot of videos on YouTube. That's awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And read, I got a lot of different books and read. And then when I started shooting film, because I originally done film, and then, you know, it shifted so quickly to digital. Um, but then going back to it, um, I just asked some friends that knew how to do it and um, just the basics, but watched a lot of tutorials and... Yeah, just kind of taught myself. But I think the art history background helped um, me know what I was, what worked and what didn't work in a composition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true because you learn so much about just the history of different forms mm-hmm. and mediums and how they're created and how they've been used. So mm-hmm. that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, that base knowledge of that really mm-hmm. yeah, that helped inform. Yeah. yeah. That's neat. Um, well, I think that's such a good point, though, that you are now exhibiting and showing all over, and you, but you're able to learn it on your own. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, a lot of, especially art forms, whether it's writing, I mean, dance, photography, painting, anything, mm-hmm. so much can be learned online now, which mm-hmm. is so great. Right. It is. It it's makes wonderful. it more accessible, hopefully, and just hopefully yeah. makes people feel like they can. Yeah, just access it easier mm-hmm. and, and can get a get a start quicker mm-hmm. than trying to go to a school, which isn't right. a bad thing necessarily, right. but not everybody has time. Right. Yeah, and I feel like they're also a lot of other a lot of artists are just open to you talking to them. Mm-hmm. And one thing I did when I moved here was I reached out to photographers whose work I admired and was just like, Hey, do you want a great coffee or do you mind if I just kind of talk to you and ask you some questions? And, you know, not everyone said yes. Some people just didn't respond and that is what it is. But so many people were just like, yeah. And I learned a ton from just reaching out to other artists, kind of cold Turkey. Mm -hmm. And it is, can be a little nerve wracking to put yourself out there like that, but you don't really have anything to lose. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've made some wonderful friends that way. That's really cool. So, and so if you, I mean, I feel like if people don't do that locally, there are ways to do that online too. There are a lot of communities of people who are open about sharing their knowledge of their practice. That's awesome. Yeah. Such a good point. Yeah. I think that, um, even though sometimes you'll get to know you'll, people mostly are willing to say mm-hmm. yes, which yes. is awesome. Yeah. And it's so much fun just talking to people about what they do. And if they really love what they do, then they love to talk about right. it. So, right. So, you know, win win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So tell us a little bit more about, so you were in, so you moved straight from South Carolina to Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Wow. So yes. that must have been a real, real change, like in every way. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, I didn't think it would be because I was like, I'm moving from a southern state to a southern right. state. But Mississippi has its own culture and its own ways, and it was it, w- it was very different for me. Um, and in this small town where we lived, I feel like this kind of sums it up. Um, I was talking to one of my neighbors there, and she was like, "Well, in the South, we do it like this." 
And I was like, I've grown up south my whole life. I was like, okay. <laughs> Maybe it's like in Mississippi. <laughs> but I was like, so anyway, it was, it was uh, yes, it was culture shock, but also I can't imagine being anywhere else now, which I wouldn't have said initially. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm here, the community and the people are so warm and um, I love it. So that's great. Yeah. I think everyone should visit. <laughs> yes. I try to encourage anyone I can to come visit. Yeah. What are, what are some um, places that you've enjoyed discovering in Mississippi? Well, I have actually photographed Rodney a lot, Rodney, Mississippi, mm. which is the, um, I feel like everyone's favorite deserted town that occasionally floods. Um, and I really loved exploring Jackson. I really have a soft spot for that city. And so when we lived there, I spent a lot of time um, just driving up and down <laughs> roads mm-hmm. and seeing what there was to see and stopping to talk to people. And And I'm very thankful for that because I think there is a lot um, of richness there that can get overlooked. So... Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Jackson, and then what else have I enjoyed? I mean, you can't resist the Delta. Mm. It's just such a foreign landscape. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I've also just enjoyed talking, stopping and just talking to people in small towns. So we try to take back roads. Mm-hmm. And then um, I still, if I see someone who looks like they have a story, I will often stop and and have a conversation with them. And I've, I've enjoyed those, those moments a lot. That's really cool. That's awesome. This is Sarah Story, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. You are listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. To have access to all Arts Hour interviews, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen to the show on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think "Eh, maybe i'll try it myself some jobs just aren't that difficult and yes you can do it if you want to find out how to do those things listen to fix it 101 podcast everywhere this is an mpb think radio podcast Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. This is Sarah Story, the director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today I'm speaking with Ashley Coleman, a photographer in Ackerman, Mississippi. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks for being here. And uh, what we were just discussing offline, the uh, Mac Fellowship that you you have, you're a part of this year, that cohort. You want to talk a little bit about about that and maybe just that process for those that don't know know what what it means to be a Mac fellow. I am very grateful to the Mississippi Arts Commission for how well y'all support the arts here. Um, as a side note, before I go back, I was I was mentoring some other artists this year, and I was looking in their states at their arts commissions to see what was offered. And it was surprisingly difficult, A, to navigate their websites, yeah. and B, to find grant the grant opportunities for um, this, these women. And it made me very thankful for MAC and um, 
how good y'all are at walking people through the process if they need help, mm-hmm. at having a website that is clear, <laughs> and just having grants for a wide variety of artists, not just performance or music or painting. Um, so I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, well, thanks for saying that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Every state is so different, and and uh, you know a lot of it is is um, based on their legislation and so it's um really fascinating and uh, you know there's been different trends over the years so some states have don't fund individual artists anymore but um, i'm very grateful to my predecessors that have gone before me in this role and have always stuck to the commitment of of helping fund individual artists mm-hmm. and their work because it's so important it i mean is. it it yeah. makes the biggest difference and the letters that we get from artists all over the state that just you know even five hundred dollars makes mm-hmm. a dip, a world of difference mm-hmm. in a whole year of their life so right. it's, it's it's huge it's yeah. important i'm very grateful for it but um i have actually applied <laughs> to this mat grant i think four four or five times right and, well thank you for sharing that and so this was the first time <laughs> <laughs> i received it and i learned each time and i what I have told other people is that, like, don't give up. Like, mm-hmm. keep keep figuring out how to write a grant. Like, it's it did not come naturally to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like each time I did it, even, even though I was disappointed when I didn't mm-hmm. get the grant, I learned um, more about what I wanted to say about mm-hmm. my work, mm-hmm. about how to present my work to other people, and I really appreciated the feedback. So I always asked to hear the feedback from mm-hmm. the panel um, and was always grateful for that because it just gave me a little more perspective and, and insight into the, the workings. Um, so, yes. So persevere. That's great advice. <laughs> if yes. you're applying, yeah. don't, don't give up hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that was like, I was, I didn't even think I would get it this year so I was thrilled um but it is it is really huge because um there was some uh camera equipment that I had wanted to purchase and I had not just I had not had the the buffer to to do that Mm -hmm. and so this was wonderful to be able um to get an additional camera body and um and lens and so I am grateful for how it is going to help me continue working in the years to come and um yeah thankful for (laughs) y'all thanks for sharing it thanks thanks for the work that you do so tell us a little bit um about work your what you're what you are working on now so you just had a big exhibition at um at Fisher Gallery Mm -hmm. which I got to see so tell us what else has been going on I know you've been super been up to a lot yeah, I, I feel like the work that Marcy showed, a lot of it was made during COVID. Um, and I feel like what I'm continuing to do is fill in the gaps. So I, I, I feel like there are missing some missing pieces in that body of work. Mm-hmm. And so I, I know what they are. And so in the last six months, it's been not shooting as much, but shooting more intentionally. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that's something that's shifted in me in the last few years. I think in the past I would go and I <laughs> would just like, you know, burn through film and photograph everything. And now it's like, I'm like, 
I really like that and that's interesting, but it's not saying what I wanted to say. And and so I think it's been encouraging for me to see that develop and change yeah. um, to be more selective and to know. So that's what I'm continuing to do that's is great. continuing to shoot in that direction. Um, and also, honestly, just waiting because I feel like this work, this particular body of work might be done. And... Um, and so I feel like I'm in a little bit of a waiting period to see what bubbles up next. Mm-hmm. And I am not the type of artist that has 15 series in their head waiting to go. I am mm-hmm. I tend to be someone who works more organically. And um, all of a sudden I'll be like, oh, this is what I'm doing, you know. And so I'm, I feel like I'm waiting for that. Mm-hmm. And it can be a little bit scary. But it's also okay. <laughs> well, I, I think that's um, great, though, because it means that the work that you do do is very true to you and your, your mm-hmm. experience. And, um, and as you mentioned before, it's telling your story. And, mm-hmm. and that, I think that storytelling and, and giving window into your life allows people to feel more connected to it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not understand it and be able to ask questions and learn something. Mm-hmm. So I think that's great. Yeah, and I think the the body of work has been a lot about motherhood and domestic life, and um, and so I've and it has been a portrait more of my my life, but I have kind of had a desire to like go into other people's homes. I haven't quite figured out how to do that, but I feel like there's like a whole swath of women where I'm like, I just would like to follow you around for mm-hmm. 48 hours and photograph what life looks like for you. Mm. Um, I feel like men photograph families in a different way than, than a woman does. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't know. I would like to show more of the female perspective of that, but I also it might not be the right season. Um, with my children being their ages that they are. <laughs> As Sarah knows, she saw them climbing all over the furniture. We can, well, they're they're awesome and lively as they should be, and we can hear them yeah. <laughs> pounding downstairs. Yeah. And right you, now. you also might hear them. <laughs> Which is great. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, and then you said you have a show coming up in um, South Carolina. Yes. Tell us I, a little bit more about that. I have a show, um, think Andrew Blanchard, who is from Mississippi, but he lives in South Carolina now, mm-hmm. um, connected me with Converse College. And so I'm going to have a show there in January. And um, I have a whole series of photographs of creatures that I have come across in living in the country. And... Uh, they aren't necessarily things that you would want to hang in your home, but I just kind of have this itch to to combine them all together. And so I'm not entirely sure uh, the, the complete direction of where I'm going. I have to nail it down because it's in January, <laughs> which is in a few weeks. But, um, but, I, but I think I'm going to just pull together all of um, what I consider to be self-portraits, uh, of myself, but the, of animals. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. um, so anyway, I think that's where I'm going to go with that. 
That's great. And will you be able to interact with students having a show at a college, or what is that going to be like? I think so. I th- I don't know what their COVID policy is, um, right. but I do know I'm going to be able to do a gallery talk um, at some point in January. That's great. So I'm looking forward to that. So I think it'll be maybe later in January, um, and hopefully, hopefully it'll be open to the public, but we'll see. That's awesome. Yeah. Is this your first time showing in um, South Carolina? I sh- am part of a um, group of four or five artists, five, and we showed in Greenville, South Carolina in March of 2020, right before, literally the weekend before COVID mm. shut everyone down. Wow. Um, yeah. And so we had a group show, a show there of a body of work. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Well, what else are you um, looking forward to right now? Well, it's almost Christmas. <laughs> so, it is. <laughs> so I guess I'm looking forward to wrapping presents. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm looking forward to the school being out and um, just being able to just be. Uh, I know I've said that a lot, but <laughs> I'm looking forward to taking the kids to see Christmas lights and, you know. Visiting with friends and family, and um, hopefully I'll get to see some other artists along the way. But um, yeah, just normal life. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, a lot of normal life. Yeah, awesome. Well, what are you? What is inspiring you these days? What are you reading or consuming or thinking through or reflecting on? Well, <laughs> we talked about it a little bit earlier. I've been thinking a lot about women in their place um, within conservative Christian circles (laughs) and whether that is um, the South or whether it is across the board but just kind of the fact that my perception is um, women are encouraged to be good at being homemakers and running a home and managing a home. Um, but their any sort of career is secondary to that. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of wrestling through that and thinking about it and reading um, some books about the, the cult of domesticity and how it originated mm-hmm. um, in the industrial... It kind of came out of the industrial revolution um, is when it, it grew... Um, and also the wage gap kind of began then too, which I just found out because women were working more in factories, mm-hmm. but the factory um, owners weren't paying them as much because they said the primary place for a woman was at home. And so if they paid her a fair wage, then she wouldn't want to be home. And so that is how they justified paying women in the factories less mm-hmm. than they paid men. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting how that has lingered right. um, in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> thinking about that, which then, you know, leads to uh, how many women are represented in the arts and in different, you know, sections of the arts. Um, and the discrimination that, you know, some female photographers I really admire face in you know, even sharing their work on social media, just getting censored mm-hmm. for sharing work on motherhood mm-hmm. um, and having their posts removed or their accounts deleted because they are, you know, showing photographs of a mother with children 
um, or wrestling through, you know, <laughs> like why can't a woman take photographs of a woman? Why is that censored? Right. Um, so anyway, that's kind of where my <laughs> yeah, no, it's thoughts are circling in my head. Yeah, you're you're curious about this and you're leaning into it. I think that's great. Yeah. I love what um, Ralph Eubanks always says is um, keep digging in the corners that you don't understand. Mm-hmm. I'm botching his quote. But it, I, I agree with that and mm-hmm. think that the best art comes out of these explorations of things that we don't understand that we're mm-hmm. living with every day and looking mm-hmm. around and saying, like, Whoa, wait a second, right? <laughs> what is going on here? Right. And why? How do we get here? Right. Yeah. And how do we get out? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which is uh, complicated, right? Yes. Yes, it is complicated. <laughs> but important. It's important to to follow and understand. And mm-hmm. So that's great. Yeah. So I've, yeah. So I've been reading some more like weightier books like that, but also love uh, good fiction. Um so Lemuria is my favorite place yes. <laughs> to buy so nice. uh, first editions. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I'm very thankful for that. Um, but yeah, and then I'm also, I think I'm just, in, I'm always inspired to see what other artists are making and to see how they see the world and to hear how passionate they are talking about it. So I got to see Thad and Carlisle last night, which, you know, just loved seeing their work together and loved hearing them talk about it. Um, I ran into Charlie Buckley, you know, just fun to, to, to hear him talk about other things that he's passionate about. Um, and you know, which then just reminded me of how many incredible artists there are in Mississippi. Um, and I'm just so grateful for that. <laughs> for yeah. That. It's amazing. I'm, um, blown away every trip that I make around the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's to the smallest town or a normal size small town, mm-hmm, right? <laughs> I guess it's all small town in Mississippi. Yeah. But yeah, it's true. Just the creativity mm-hmm. and um, just incredible uh, variety of art too. Mm-hmm. We were talking about earlier uh, before we started the interview about even the Mississippi Invitational mm-hmm. this year, the Mississippi Museum of Art, and how just diverse it was in. Mm-hmm. Uh, areas of the state, race, gender, mm-hmm. mediums, um, process. It was fa- mm-hmm. I just, it just felt like yeah. it was such a good reflection. Right. Yeah. Which you were a part of, so we're... Oh. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about Coulter's incredible quilts mm-hmm. and Alexa mm-hmm. um, and her successes, which is just so incredible and wonderful. So I, yeah, it's really exciting. And I also love just how many strong female artists there are, um, Mm -hmm. coming out (laughs) that, or they've been here all along and I'm just, you know, meeting them. So yeah. 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 It's fun to discover them. Mm -hmm. Well, where can our listeners find you? Where are you most active now? Do you have a website, social media? Yeah. I, my website is ashleycoleman.com. Um, my Instagram is Ashley Coleman. That's great. Yeah. My email is Ashley. <laughs> uh, I have taken to heart the branding. That's great. Good. <laughs> um, yeah. So easy to find. Um, and mediocre at staying active, but um, do my best to stay on top of it. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, and thank you for sharing your work with us and just telling your story. It's yeah. just so so great to see and hear more about it. Thanks for having me. We appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. 
MPB depends on support from listeners. So if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. 